Hey there, brilliant mama. We know things are crazy right now, but we tried to get back to a normal episode. We had a listener question about discipline and when to implement it. We ramble on and on about what we do in our homes, as well as share some books and resources we like. Those will be linked up in the show notes. Talia also shares a funny story at the end about Sky, which we think you'll probably get a kick out of. Be sure you're following us on social media at Mimosas Podcast. We've been a bit more active this week trying to share easy things we are doing to stay sane at home right now. We have also been sharing some wins and struggles as we navigate this isolation period. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Mamosas. Hope you have your friends and your drinks nearby. You're here with Kristen and Talia. And we're here to talk about all things mom. This week we got a question on when and how to start introducing discipline. And as always, we want to remind you guys that we are not parenting experts. We're total clowns who are just here giving our opinions and just sort of sharing some resources that we have and just some things that we've already been through. So we just want to remind you of that. Uh, just take anything we say with a grain of salt. You know, again, we don't know the psychology of this. We're not psychologists. We're not parenting experts. We're just a total nerd and a teacher who's been through some of this stuff. Um, so I just wanted to preempt it with that. I like that you're the clown and I'm a teacher. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. Which is funny because actually like you're the one that does improv on the side and is much funnier than I'm me. the actual clown but you know we're both we're both pretty clowny I was thinking of starting off with just kind of a reminder of what what discipline how I interpret discipline so I read the book um, no drama discipline and it points out that discipline the word discipline you know people usually take it as punishment my kid is not doing what I want them to do, so they must be punished. But in this book, they point out that discipline is derived from the word disciples, which means to guide or to teach. Um, So that's how we use it in our house. Our job in our house is to guide our kids, to teach them the skills they're going to need for when they're older. So if our kid doesn't have impulse control at two, which is really to be expected, you can't expect a two-year-old to have great impulse control, instead of leaving a marker out and then you know, they write with, they draw on the wall with a marker, us yelling at them and spanking them. That for me doesn't feel effective because I'm not teaching them to have impulse control. I'm just teaching them they're a bad person for not having a skill that they're just not capable of having at this age. So I see my job as don't leave a marker out. My bad, my bad for leaving a marker out with a two-year-old unsupervised. Do you know what I mean? So that's that's sort of a distinction that we try to make in our house of like, well, what's my role here? Am I expecting too much of you? Am I expecting you to be able to have a skill that you are physically incapable of having? So my question to you is this. So that actually happened in your house because I remember Finley did draw on the wall and I believe on himself. Did you... Obviously, you say, my bad, I left the marker out. But then did you also have him help you, like, wash it down off the wall? Yeah, so I addressed it. I said, oh, no, Finley, we don't draw, we don't draw on the wall. No, thank you. 
I took the marker. I put it up. He's very mad that I put it up. I said, I understand you're mad. That's very frustrating. I see that you don't know not to write on the wall, so I can't leave this marker out with you right now. And so I put it away and then I said, okay, now we have to clean this up. And so we got the spray bottle and we got the paper towels and he sprayed and then he wiped. And obviously like he physically, again, isn't capable of fully cleaning it correctly. Sure. But it's still, in my opinion, his responsibility to help. So he helped and then I kind of finished it up. So that's sort of what we try to do. And like, look, we're human. We have emotions. We get real pissed off sometimes when our kids are doing the same thing 80 times. And I can rationally say, I know you don't have this skill, but also my 33 years of experience wants me to, wants you to have this skill because I'm annoyed that you don't. You know what I mean? So it's not like we're always up here like, oh, our children, they just don't have that skill. And they're perfect otherwise. Like, no, I'm still super annoyed that you can't do it. And sometimes I yell because I'm human. But that's not in our home, like our overall goal. Right, right. Well, I always feel that, you know, if you are going to have that teachable moment, then it should be fitting to what was done. You know, it's like, let the consequence fit the crime, so to speak. You know, so if a kid is drawing on the wall, then they're helping you clean the wall. If a kid makes a mess, Sky's done this before, where she is mad at one of us and she thinks that, okay, to get back at you, I'm going to just make a big mess. And then when everyone kind of calms down, then we go and we'll clean it up together. You know, I'll say, I need you to help me do this. You know, we try to go in our house by the rule of thumb of like, behavior is communication. So again, this, I, I don't necessarily think this was like, how I was raised, but this is what I've been trying to implement in our house. You know, why are they doing this? Okay, you're acting chaotic, you're drawing on the wall, you're throwing things, you're obviously feeling really dysregulated. What can I do? I need to connect with you right now. So this mess, yes, it's annoying and I'm frustrated, but you're obviously trying to tell me something. I wish you had a better way of communicating it, but you don't. So I can get mad at you or I can see the message you're sending me and try to hear that message and help you. And then to your point, yep, we're going to go back and clean that up when you're feeling better. But right now I'm going to try to connect with you and understand why you're feeling this way, Mm -hmm. which is why the car thing drives me so crazy because I'm like, I don't know how to effectively get my kids in and out of the car. I mean, I'm trying to connect. I'm trying to understand what the issue is. And it's just utter anarchy every time. You mean when you're getting in and out or you're in the car? Getting in and out of the car. Like nobody's capable of getting in their car seat. I mean, Nate does a pretty good job, but then like Finley comes over. I mean, and then it's like, I have to put Astrid in first because I don't have the hands to get Finley in first. And then, so since she's contained and I have to be able to go around the car, he'll generally come he'll either like do some sort of like gymnastics in the car or he'll come over and like basically like hit her kick her so he's frustrated with her and he's taking it out and I get that but like it's just irritating to have that happen every time and I'm like I don't know how to get ahead of this I know that you can't control yourself but how how do I get ahead of this so sometimes I'll let him climb in first and I'll like put her down on the ground and like she'll kind of like have her hands up on the car and then I can like strap him in and bring her around but it's just not always something I can do because now you're not carrying her when she was littler you were carrying her in the car seat 
And now you're just carrying her by herself and placing her in her car seat. I see. Oh, that is hard. And then Nate has to climb in because he's all the way in the back. And then you still have to go into the trunk to buckle him in. He actually is fine. Like his seatbelt is adjusted for the tightness that he needs. And he's usually able to like, he can buckle and unbuckle himself. So, you know, every couple trips, I'll just double check. You know, I'll look back. Okay. It's, you know, and he knows how to place it correctly. So just every now and then I just want to double check. Is this tight enough? Sure. For him. Sure. I mean, I don't have any sage words of words of advice on that. We just we just have Sky getting in and out of her car seat, and we still are placing her in because she can't climb into it. <laughs> that must be really hard, though. And it it is. You're right. Communication when they're frustrated or something when there's a behavior, it is a communication tool that they're using, and that happens even with older kids. Like I've learned. As a teacher, you know, some kids still cannot correctly state their emotions or feelings even when they're eight or nine years old. Well, look, adults can't. I mean, there's so many adults who can't just say, hey, you know, I I don't want to get into this a ton, but okay, we're in the self-isolation right now. Great. This is hard. This is really hard for a lot of people. And I think for some of us, instead of saying, this makes me uncomfortable, I don't like it because I'm scared to be home alone with my kids or I'm scared that I can't take care of them properly or I'm overwhelmed because my kid has special needs and that break that they, when they're in school, that break I get is how I can stay calm the rest of the day. Like, I think sometimes instead of saying that, we're just saying, this is stupid. We shouldn't be doing this. This is alarmist. This is an overreaction. And it's not... you're not a bad person for reacting that way. It's just, we haven't learned to effectively identify our feelings and say them out loud. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, even as adults, we have a hard time with that. So how can we expect a two-year-old to just come up and say, mom, stop playing with the baby and please come play with me. I need your attention. How can I expect that? So, of course, you're going to write on a wall. I mean... Or come over and hit the baby. (laughs) Totally. And to Finley's credit, he will say, put that baby down and play with me. I mean, he's said that to me before. Very clear communication. Like, great job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but you also have been really instrumental in trying to get them to use their words and communicate. You know, I've heard you say before to them, you know, say, tell me... Mommy, I need your help. Or, Mommy, I need your attention. Yeah. You know, what are you trying to tell me right now? Well, and I'll Do say you that. Need my help? You know, and I've heard you say that. Sometimes, like, if I, I think they know it, but they're not saying it. Like, right now, Finley's go-to is to just scream. Like, when, he, when he's not getting his way, he'll just scream. But then if you say, tell me, what do you need? He'll say, I wanted to play with Emily or whatever. And sometimes he can say that. But sometimes, like, they can't. And so I'll sit with them and I'll say, you were saying, I'm really mad. I wanted to play with Emily. It's okay. You get to feel mad. Can you say that? I'm mad. I want to play with Emily. Like, sometimes we'll do that. And, you know, Finley's two, so he he doesn't really have a lot of input. But, you know, like, sometimes with Nate, I'll say, wow, you were really mad that you couldn't play with your friend and he'll say I'm I'm not mad I feel sad and so so my understanding is if it's good to label it's good to tell them this is what you're feeling 
And if it's not what they're feeling, they'll tell you. I don't, that's not how I feel. I'm actually this, you know, but it helps them have those words. I think, you know, I think it's a good tool for them to have those words. Another book that I, that I think is a really good tool for parents and all these you can get on audiobook, but I really like it. It's called Playful Parenting. And it's a way, it talks a lot about like different ways to connect with your kids. And again, like how to address some of those behaviors. So say that uh, your kid is really mad and they call you a name. And obviously that hurts, you know, you don't want to be called names by your kids. Instead of just launching into a lecture, which they're not going to hear. I mean, I can hear, first of all, I hear myself giving lectures and I've tuned out. Like I'm, I'm tuned out of my own lecture. So like, how am I expecting my kid to be tuned in? But on top of that, like if I, as soon as somebody starts to lecture me, like this is me as a 33 year old, as soon as someone starts to lecture me, I'm checked out. Whatever you're saying, I am not receptive to because you are acting like you know me better than I know myself. So like, goodbye. I don't want to hear it. But there's still ways for you to give me that same message that I'm receptive to. So there's ways for kids to get the same message that they're receptive to. So this like one thing you could do is, you know, if they're like, you're, you're a meanie head. Instead of being like, hey, don't call me names. You could be like, shh. Don't tell anyone my super secret nickname, you know, and just kind of like turning it around and and like connecting with them. And then you can talk about it later. Hey, you called me a meanie head. You must have been pretty mad to say that. Can you tell me what you are mad about? But they're connected with you first. So they're more likely to be able to like talk about it. I feel like Todd is so great about doing that. He's such the great diffuser. If Sky is upset or crying, he immediately is able to redirect by being silly. Yeah. Or, you know, doing something to make Sky laugh or distract, whatever. And I always feel like, you know, so like if something happens where she gets upset and she cries, my go to is, and it, nobody's right or wrong, it's just we're different. My go to is to hold her. And to let her just feel that and like cry and just feel safe. Which I think is good. Which is good. And then Todd's go-to is to, like she hit her head the other day and she started crying. And Todd like started making silly faces and like pretending to like hit his head and like fall over. And then she's laughing. Like before you know it, she's laughing and she's going, do it again, do it again. So both are fine. And it's interesting because as she gets older... When she gets hurt, she goes to her need. So if she wants to be cuddled and comforted, she comes to me. If she wants to cry and be cuddled, she knows, oh, mom will do that. If she wants to distract, she'll go to Todd. And it is kind of interesting to see that. And it also kind of happens with disciplinary things, too. We both are pretty much on the same page. And we always, you know, we'll stand by one another. I think one thing that is super important, at least for us, has been is to back your partner. Yeah, a united front. Yeah, be a united front. And even if I disagree, have that conversation in private later. 
You know, like I remember one time Todd put Sky in timeout for something that I thought was extremely ridiculous. And I just kind of had to say, okay, well, I wasn't there. You know, he's been home with her all day. If she's done this 47,000 times, yeah, he's probably really ticked off and irritated and he's had enough and he's drawing his line. He's this is the hill he's dying on today. And then afterwards, you know, after she's gone to bed or whatever, having a conversation about it. And then just again, you know, sort of that communication tool of saying to him, wow, that sounds really frustrating. I could see why you felt the need to do that. That seems really hard. Kind of giving some validating him validating that was the word i was looking for validating yeah because oftentimes something happens probably similarly with you you know pat's not home with the kids and he you know comes in and if it's like you feel the house is totally on fire and it's just and he's like whoa Kristen, what's like calm down like the kid just did blank and it's like he's been doing blank for the last four hours you haven't been here. You haven't seen it. Let me just tell you, I'm going nuts. Tag, you're it. I'm I'm out of here. Goodbye. I always I always tell him it's time for my union break. <laughs> right. <laughs> so one of the things in our house is uh, we tried time out a couple times with Nate when he was like two, which is about the age that you know some people say you can implement that, and. I started reading, and I know our houses are different on this, so I think this is, you know, you can kind of get both perspectives from us on this. We don't do timeouts in our house, and the reason for that is that it causes isolation, and I think some kids probably respond to it okay, but from what I've read is that it can cause this feeling of isolation, and the kids aren't sitting there thinking, I I did something wrong, and I should really think about how I can do better next time. They're sitting there thinking, I'm so pissed off. I'm so mad. And like I can say from experience, like as a kid, if I got put in timeout, I literally sat there and thought like, I I hate my parents. I'm so mad. They're so mean. I can't believe they're putting me in timeout. So rude. So I think I just like, I relate to that. That logic makes sense to me. So instead of doing timeout, we'll definitely like separate. So Mm -hmm. like if you're hitting or doing something destructive, you know, okay, I will not let you hurt us while you're mad being mad is normal it's okay to be mad I won't let you hurt us you know and I don't really I I do talk a lot I try not to I try not Mm -hmm. to be talking too much like when they're going through a meltdown I also try to accept that like meltdowns are really normal and necessary and it's okay for kids to have meltdowns and it's okay for them to feel overwhelmed by their feelings and I don't want my kids to be afraid of feelings so I don't want every time they feel mad no, 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 you, it's a, you're fine. You don't, don't be mad. This is not, you don't have to be mad about this. I try really hard not to jump in and do that. It's okay. You don't have to be sad. Stop. It's just a little boo-boo. It's fine. Uh, I just try not to do that because I don't want when they get older to feel like, oh, I have this strong emotion, but my whole life, somebody's always tried to distract me from that emotion. So I guess this is bad. Like I don't, want them to like unconsciously feel like it's bad to feel those emotions. So in our house, in place of timeout, uh, sometimes I will kind of separate what's going on. Like the kids will get separated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I try to do a time in, which for us never worked with Nate. What a time in is, is you're sitting down and you're tuning into that child. You're having a connection. You could have time in 
boxes. We sort of tried that. It didn't work for us. But you could have like maybe some books that'll help them calm down. Or like we also did sort of like a, a calm down area, which was this little like unicorn tent we had. And we put in like all his favorite stuffed animals and some books. And just like none of that really worked for Nate. But it does work for Finley. So like when he's starting to get really crazy, like if we kind of pull him on our lap and we sit with him and we say, oh, you're so upset. You're so mad. You need attention. He can he can absorb that. So I think that these techniques do work with the majority of kids, but there's always going to be an outlier. And I don't think it's because your parenting is bad. I don't think it's because there's something wrong with your kid. It's just that we're all different. Like if someone comes in and I'm upset to your point and so, and they say, calm down, I will light you on fire. But some <laughs> people, some, like a few people can hear that. They can hear that. Calm, calm, let's calm down for a sec. Let's take a step back and reassess this. Like some people can hear that as like, let's take a step back. I'm taking, I, I internalize it as like, you're minimizing how I feel and I shouldn't feel this way. So, you know, just it's something to keep in mind that like, I think a lot of these techniques are number one, kind of hard to implement because it's not how we were raised. You know, we weren't we well, I mean, maybe some of us were I, I certainly was definitely raised in that more. Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Sort of like what you think of as discipline, which is like you're in timeouts you know, behave correctly, da da da, all this stuff. But I do for us think that the upfront work of calming down on our part, recognizing their feelings, doing the time ins, doing the connection sort of is helping us in the long run. Mm -hmm. You know, that's more of how I was raised. My I mean, it was just me and my mom. So it wasn't like, you know, she needed to separate me from anybody It was just the two of us unless I needed to be separated from her. But we did a lot of talking about our feelings and what's something we could do to make us feel better. And that just it works for some kids and not for all kids. But I guess the the punitive punishment is definitely what we don't want in our house, because just a lot of the studies show it's not helpful. It, it, It parents from a place of fear. And I that's not what I want for our family. And it's okay if if that is what you want. I don't find a judgment on that. It's... I mean, I can count on one hand the amount of timeouts that Sky has been in in the last six months. And I bet there a lot of them were from like an emotional place of like, I as the parent can't tolerate this anymore. So you need to go in timeout. Probably. And I haven't put I I don't think I've put her in timeout maybe one time, you know, and like Sky will tell me you know, when I come home from work, like, so she got put in timeout. I think it was like last week or something. And I came home from work. And one of the first things she said to me was I got put in timeout. And I said, Oh, what happened? And she said, I was really mad because Papa wouldn't let me I was like playing with something that was probably not something good to play with. And she played with it anyway. And so you know, Todd put her in timeout. And then afterwards, you know, talked to her. Todd, actually, I remember watching him put her in timeout and he was, you know, standing over her, lecturing her, you know, on why she was in timeout. And I, and he was really frustrated. You know, he had gotten to a place where he was just really upset. And I said, just walk away, just walk away. Everyone's safe. 
you know, just give yourself a, a moment and let her, you know, she's fine. And then when you're feeling calm, come back and address it. And I try not to step in. Like, I try not to say, like, just go away. I got it. I got it. In this, like, in the mid of this situation. Because I don't think that that shows a good... Uh, it's just not... I don't think it's good for their relationship. I don't think it's good to come in and, you know, try to play this, you know, person like, oh, dad's so mean. You know, I'm coming in and I'm saving you. You know, dad Dad is just such a mean guy. Or you're fine. Dad's going to take a break. He needs a break. He needs... You know, and I'll say that sometimes. I'll just say, you know, if you're getting frustrated... Just tell her, Sky, this is really frustrating me right now. Tell her that. And then if you need to walk away, walk away. She's going to be five in three days. Like, she's okay. Well, and we, <laughs> like in our house, we use timeout for ourselves. So I'll say, I'm really overwhelmed right now. I need a timeout. And I'll walk away. So that's like how we're trying to model the use of timeout is like, it's fine to have a timeout. And we're hoping that as they get older, they can sort of put themselves in a timeout as needed. So it's not for them like a punishment, but more like, whew, this is getting crazy. I'm going to go take a timeout. Like that's just, that's sort of our goal, I guess, with the whole timeout situation. I have a student who has a really hard time regulating their emotions and gets really overwhelmed. They're on the lower end academically. So the work that we do is oftentimes very challenging, which then brings up lots of feelings of being, you know, inadequate or frustrated that you don't understand or, you know, whatever. And then what happens is there's a element of acting out. There's aggression towards me, towards themselves, towards school property. And so what we've you know, I tried to, I've tried to talk to this person, you know, and it's when they're in the heat of it, like most people, that part of your brain, that logical part of your brain has shut down. Gone. You're in fight or flight. Fight, flight, freeze. You know, that's where, yeah, freeze. That's where you are. So there is no rational talking to this person at that point. So what we kind of came up with after, you know, in a time of calmness, I just, you know, said, hey, I'm just checking in. Can we come up with a strategy together that would be helpful the next time you feel this way? What's a thing, you know, and I've tried giving them like fidget things, you know, take a break and play with your fidget. But then, of course, those make noise and then they're up in the air and then they're playing with them and blah, blah, blah. So that didn't work. So we can't. So I said, OK, we're back at the drawing board. What can we do? And this kid really likes to draw. And I said, how about this? How about if you're feeling frustrated, if you're upset, if you're mad, if you're just really getting that feeling inside, I'm going to give you a little card and I want you just to put it on your desk and that shows me that you need a break. And if your card is out, then you can have your little, I gave them a little journal. I said, you can draw or write in your journal and I will watch the clock and I'll give you five minutes to do that. And then when the five minutes are up, the five minutes are up, you have to put it away and rejoin the activity that we're doing. And if you can do this without taking advantage of it, meaning, you know, you're not constantly putting it out so you can avoid whatever it is that we're doing, 
you know, really genuinely use it. Don't just use it as a, a tool to escape things, but use it as a tool for when you're really feeling upset or frustrated. You know, we can do that. And so far, I mean, it's only been for the last, you know, two weeks, but so far things have been a lot better for that kid. So finding those tools and it's interesting, you know, with little kids, you know, Finley's age, two, three, it's hard to kind of rationalize that with them. But I feel like with Nate and Sky, like kids that are five and up, you know, or even four and up, you can really kind of try to start working with that of like, what can we do? Like, let's come up with a plan, you know? So if you're starting to feel this way, what's something that you can do? Or can you come and tell mom or dad or whoever you know, I'm starting to feel this way before it escalates to become this big volcano explosion. Yeah. And like, look, people have different personalities. So some kids are just going to get zero to explosive very quickly. And that I think is just something that we need to acknowledge and accept in our kids and be ahead of that. You know, just telling your kid, just be more patient is not going to instill the skill of patience in them. No. So one of the things I want to sort of circle back to was, so we had talked about, okay, so discipline means disciple to lead. So the reason that that feels relevant is the original question was, when should I start implementing discipline? But the thing is, like, in my opinion, you're sort of always implementing discipline, even from a young age. So if you have a 12 month old who is going to climb up something that, you know, you don't think is safe. You know, for example, all our kids, they learned to climb the stairs. The The boys learned earlier because we didn't have the gates up, but they learned to climb the stairs. And so instead of constantly, no, 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 don't climb the stairs. We taught them, you know, we stayed with them and then we taught them how to safely climb down the stairs backward. And so mm-hmm. the same with Astrid, we, you know, we've climbed the stairs with her and then we've taught her how to climb down the stairs. And so one of the things that we do is like, okay, if you are capable of getting into something, either we shouldn't have it there if it's not safe for you, or we're going to teach you how to do it safely. Like to me, that's discipline. That's teaching you, you know, how Mm -hmm. to safely navigate these types of things. So I think even at 15 months, you know, the food throwing is pretty common. I was going to say the food throwing is something you're dealing with. And we usually yeah. just, we give her one more, oh, no, the, and she does it. I mean, uh, she is like really crazy about it. She'll like want her water. So she'll pick up her entire plate and fling it. So we're trying to teach her how to communicate drink. Because right now she kind of like points her hand and grunts. And we're starting to understand what she wants. But we're also trying to teach her drink. You know, we just show her the sign every time and then we hand it to her. And so she throws her plate, usually like she throws it once we'll pick it up. No, thank you. And we'll offer it. And then she throws it again. We just put it up on the table. I mean, you obviously probably don't want it or you're not ready for it. And Mm -hmm. if she's still hungry, we'll give her a couple pieces of food. And if she throws those, we just say, okay, all done. And we do the sign for all done. And then we just pick her up and get her out. So we've been trying to work on like staying patient through all the craziness and just sort of giving them the skills to communicate what they need. But she's not being a bad kid because she's throwing her food she's she's trying to communicate yeah she's 13 she's months bad. it's a very annoying way to communicate but it's all she knows right i feel like we i know you tried the baby sign language with nate and he never really took to it well no Ugh. this made me so angry because i like was so 
diligent about it with him. Like I was like every meal, more, all done, drink, every single time he did like anything. I And he basically was like middle finger, I don't care. And then at like 16 months, he went to this daycare or whatever. And he comes home like the first day and he's like, all done. I was like, F off, man. Like I've been teaching this to you for like, <laughs> 10 months and you have refused to use any of it and then you go to this school for two days and you're like look how fluent I am like it just it just made me so like but look that's me that's me being irrational about my feelings like actually he did nothing wrong in that situation I just felt annoyed (laughs) well I was gonna say that saved us you know the baby sign language saved us because Sky didn't start talking until three But she was communicating very much through sign language. And she still does it when she's tired or she's upset. She will go back to sign language, which is very like she'll be sitting on the toilet early in the morning and she's like still tired. And when she's finished, she'll just sign all done to like wipe her. (laughs) Yeah. And she'll like she'll still sign like hungry food, drink. Uh, sleepy more I mean she like she doesn't do as many she's probably lost the majority of them but that got us through a lot because I remember just feeling very frustrated you know what do you want what 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 can I get you what do you need and that is like kind of the same age where Astrid is right now of you know and she didn't I mean she obviously is a completely different case she was so sick by then that she was just like kind of a you know, limp noodle, you know, the whole time. So she wasn't communicating a lot. But by the time we were in the hospital and she was on, you know, pain medication or she was uncomfortable or irritable or whatever, then she was really able to start like using those communication tools. Yeah. So I think that you implement discipline as early as you see necessary. You know, you're not going to let your kid put their finger in an electrical outlet, but also like, you know, at a year old, are you going to put them in timeout? Probably not. So you just, you know, make sure the electrical outlets are covered and just remind them, no, thanks. Oh, we don't play with this. Here's a toy you can play with instead. You know, in those early, that like early year or so, you kind of do a lot more redirecting. And then as they get older, you know, you can start implementing different strategies to help them regulate. I did want to share a couple of resources. You know, we've we've actually done an episode on like parenting resources, I think. So you can go back to that as well. And I think that one was for more of like your your kids a little bit tougher, like just sort of, you know, doesn't follow the typical like, oh, I I said no. And they listened or like, right, Johnny, put your shoes in your shoe bin okay, great. I'll do that. Like, just like if you have a kid who maybe you're, you feel like, okay, I'm doing all the, you know, suggested parenting things and nothing is working. Then like, you know, here's some other resources that this might be the book for you to start with just like for everyday parenting. I really loved simplicity parenting. I think that could work for anyone as well as people with a tougher kid. Uh, no drama discipline. I think that's a really great resource for everybody. If you're looking for sort of a, a book that just explains discipline. And that's where I got that idea of like discipline comes from the words disciples. Um, and then playful parenting, I think is just like a really interesting dive into how to connect with your kid a little more because it is true that as we're getting older play feels really hard and I think especially for moms 
And even like I see it in myself that I want to direct the play all the time. Like I want to be like, let's play this game and we're going to do it the way that I want to. And they're like, "Uh, that sounds stupid. I don't want to play that. Let's play, you know, and then it's like, well, why do I have to direct it anyway? Like, why do I, the pair, I'm not trying to work through anything. You, the kid, are trying to work through something. So I'm just going to follow your lead. But it doesn't come naturally to me, you know. So I like this book for kind of like pointing that out and reminding you, like, of course, don't let your kid run into traffic. But, you know, let them lead the play a lot. Let them lead play when it's safe, which it is probably 90% of the time. And then one of the books that I really loved that is more for if you have a challenging kid, but I do think even if you don't have a challenging kid, you can still find some good tips in it is The Explosive Child. And so this book talks about just changing your lens from like, my kid is bad to, you know, what's this behavior telling me? And then also how to problem solve with the kids. So, you know, I really recommend reading the book, but just to give a brief overview, kind of talks about how parents on the whole tend to quote unquote plan a things, which is to say, uh, I see you're not doing your homework. Let's come up with a solution. The solution should be blank. And so you, the parent are still, you're taking charge of the whole situation. You're not letting them have input. Or you could kind of do a plan B, which is, I see spelling homework is hard for you. What's up? And then just sitting there and letting them talk to you, which they're probably not going to do the first time because they're so used to you taking over the problem solving. But, you know, kind of working with them, figuring out what's at the bottom of it. Maybe they're, they don't want to do it because they draw their D's backwards. And maybe you think that's a dumb reason not to do it because you're like, well, who cares? We'll just work on D's. But for them, that feels like a big barrier. So they get to have that barrier. They get to feel feel that. And then you can work together as a team to come up with solutions. So let them have their solutions, write down their solutions. And then you put your concerns out there. You don't want to do your spelling homework because you write your D's backwards and that's embarrassing for you. My concern is if you don't do your spelling homework, you can't get better. What is the solution that meets both of our needs? You know, so talking with them about that and we do this sometimes with Nate, you know, he's only four and we still very rarely, we're not great about it, but we still do this with him sometimes and he'll come up to us. Hey mom, I have a great solution for this. So he's already working on that problem solving. And then the hardest thing for me as a parent is to, you know, let go of some of that control. So if he comes up with a solution and I think in my head, this isn't going to work because of blank. But there's actually no safety issue. You know, I try to say, okay, let's try this and we will regroup in a couple days to see if this is working for both of us. So it's hard. I mean, I think that sometimes like thinking about that upfront work feels really hard. But if two years down the road, he can start problem solving. Why don't I want to read this book? Why is this so hard? That's great. Instead of me having to spend the next 18 years telling him how to do things and why I'm frustrated that he's not doing what I expect of him. Well, and I think it's sometimes people are very uncomfortable sitting in that silence and letting that processing time happen because sometimes with kids, you ask them, well, what can we do about this? You know, I see this a lot with my students. I'll get a shrug, shrug, and then, you know, I say, it's okay. Why don't we, why don't you think about it? And then when you have a solution, let me know. 
And with you, when you're sitting with your own child and you have, I mean, not that everyone has like an unlimited amount of time, but it's a little bit, you know, more accessible to sit in that space of empty, quiet time versus like when I'm at school and it's, you know, I'm waiting for this one kid to come up with like something and I have 25 other kids like waiting for us to move on. So it's like, we'll come back, we'll touch back later. You know, I'll circle back. You let me know. But when it's your own kid, you know, just allowing them that think time and that processing time. And sometimes that is hard. It's very hard because you, as a parent, always have a running list in your head of what needs to be done. Oh, my God. Can you just come up with a solution? I got to wash the dishes and fold all this laundry. Or you know in your head, oh, I know what would make this. I know what we could do. This is such an easy fix if we just do blank. It feels like. It feels like that. But for your child, you know, I agree. Like they really, it's important for them to help come up with a solution. And it's empowering for them. I mean, how empowered do you feel when you're sitting there with someone and you guys are solving a problem and then you come up with a solution and you think, this is kind of crazy, but let me try it. And then it works. Great. And I also think it's important for it to fail. I think it's important for my kids to come up with ideas that fail and to sit in that failure and to know like, hey, you survived. You came up with an idea and it sucked and you did it and it failed. Great. What's the next step? Like I just, I I personally don't want to shelter them from failure because I don't want them to get to 25 and feel like I can't try this because I might fail. Or having them fail and then falling apart. Right. So I don't know. That's sort of our approach. It's not for everyone. I I, I totally recognize that this can feel a little like hippy dippy, but there are a lot of resources out there. So that's sort of been our experience. And I know you guys, you know, have had some pretty successful experience with Sky in terms of discipline as well. So when she's also like, I mean, I have to say, I have to preface by saying temperamentally speaking, she, I feel, is a very, quote unquote, easy, like, as far as like redirecting, she's not, you know, she's never been a screamer, a hitter, you know, she's very just mild tempered. So when she does get upset, like her go to is pouting, you know, she doesn't get her way, her go to is to like cross her arms and turn away from you. And for me, I'm just like, that's, Okay, you feel that you can sit in that. And when you're ready to talk to me again, here I am. It is. And then I just go about my business. Yeah, like her pout is so good, too. I mean, it's so on. And she'll kind of do like a she'll look. No one's paying attention. Harumph. Like a quick. Yeah, exactly. Hey, just so you know, I'm over here pouting. Like, just so you know, I'm still upset. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still here. My arms are still firmly crossed. Sometimes a little foot stomp gets thrown in. Oh, the foot stomp just crushes me. I wish I could take a video of it. I mean, it's just so, it's comical. So you kind of just, and I, I mean, I remember one time Todd laughed. I was like, do not laugh. This is her trying to show that she's angry. Don't laugh as comical as it is. Because it's literally like I've seen parents you know, get things flung at them. I've seen fists flying towards their face as kids are so angry at their parents. And like, and then we have over here, this little like <laughs> stomp. And it's just, so, you know, so I do have to say it's with her lately, that's been her go-to and that's easy. And then when she's 
ready, I'll always say, whenever you are ready to talk to me, I am here. And then she'll always ask me afterwards, Mama, were you mad at me? And I always, you know, in most cases, you know, no, I wasn't mad at you. I was frustrated or I didn't appreciate your choice to do blank, but I wasn't mad at you. Were you... You know, we kind of talk about it. And I did learn from Lauren, who was on an episode like way back in the 20s, something that I've implemented from her is to let them know, like, if I if I am mad, say, yes, I was mad and I love you. I can be mad and love you at the same time. Or I can be frustrated and love you at the same time. You know, just letting them know that I, I always love them regardless of how I feel and I can hold two emotions at one time. So I, that's been really important for us. We've been implementing that. So uh, I also want to mention Simply on Purpose. I really like following her and she has a lot more of that sort of, you know, redirecting, setting expectations type of approach. And I like that. You know, we do try to, again, like make sure the kids like know what the rules are. We've started using freeze in our house. Like if they're wrestling, we'll say freeze. Okay. What are the rules? That's right. No kicking mm-hmm. and no hitting heads. Okay. Does everyone know the rules? Okay. Go ahead and play. And then if it starts like getting out of control and for some reason in this moment, freeze is working check in with me next week. I doubt it will be. (laughs) I just want to say for clarification, it's totally okay to be mad at your kids. I've just never like the things that Sky does are usually more frustrating than make me angry. So I will say that I'm sure she's made me mad at some point or another. But it's usually like if I'm irritated, like I'm just irritated, but totally okay to be mad at your kids. Just they're humans, just like you're allowed to be mad at your significant other or your friends. Or that, you know, the person that cuts you off on the freeway. You get to have feelings, people. You get to have feelings. So yeah, Kristen had a lot of great resources. Please check those out. So do we have time for a quick funny story? Go for it. We'll wrap up with Talia's funny story. Okay, so Skye, as most of you probably know, she's not, she likes to put food in her mouth, but she does not swallow. So somebody got us a big thing of kettle corn the other day. And for whatever reason, she's been super into it. Great. So two days ago, she's telling me like, I think I have popcorn stuck in my teeth or like there's something sharp in my in my mouth. And I was like, okay. And then she goes, oh, never mind. It's gone. And I went, okay. So I didn't think anything of it. So yesterday she's sitting on the toilet and she's like, I think the popcorn's still stuck in my teeth. And I said, why do you think that? And she puts her finger all the way in the back of her mouth and she goes, because there's something sharp there. I'm like, let me see. Opens her mouth. She's cutting molars in the back, totally like blase about it. Just like like these sharp little like mountains coming in through her gums. And I said, oh, my God, you have molars coming in. And she was so she first of all, she was like, what's that? So I said, you teeth, you know, I Google five year old molars. Apparently they're six year old molars. So hers are coming in early. But if you remember, she cut six teeth by like six months. So I think she's just an early tooth person but so she had her very small birthday party yesterday with all of like three of her little friends she went around to everyone and was like I thought I had popcorn in my teeth but then mama looked and I have what are they called again me molars molars and then like she'd go to the next person I thought I had popcorn in my teeth but it turns out I have 
what are they called again? Molars. Molars. Like every individual, and they're all sitting in the same room, mind you. It was just really cute. She has, what are they called again? Molars. Ah, she's so funny. Just on time for her fifth birthday. Molars. I didn't realize they were getting more teeth. Yeah, I guess I didn't get, when you were like, she's got molars coming in. I was like, this feels late. But I guess it's early. I mean, I guess unless I I mean, I guess I have to go and recount her teeth. Because would the six-year-old molars count as the 20, like part of the set of 20 that they have as kids? I have no idea. I don't even know how many teeth they're supposed to have. Look, as soon as those first teeth come in, count me out. Like, I do not look in their mouths anymore. (laughs) I am almost like I feel like I need to call a dentist, but... I probably just need a counter teeth. I know they get 20 baby teeth and then we get 32 adult teeth. I always thought she had 20. That math feels off. It feels off? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying it feels crazy that we have 20 baby teeth and then 32 teeth. And they're all, if you ever look at a skeleton, do yourself a favor. Look up pictures of a skeleton, like a baby skeleton, because all of the teeth adult and baby are already in your skull just waiting to come out. Really cool. On that note. Okay, bye. (laughs) All right, we'll chat with you guys next week. Bye. Bye.